I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. We got Will Butler on. We're going to talk about genuine networking hacks. And if you are a staff physical therapist or a clinic director or physical therapy manager, we're going to go over my cold LinkedIn message that got me a $90,000 salary when I moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, New York. We're also going to cover your resume doesn't matter, a story that Will Butler's got about, Will, your, your resume is not on file. We're going to get into that. Also, how practice owners and directors can network for business development and new patients. We're going to get into what you can or should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. We're going to go over the Ben Franklin approach to networking. Will brought that up in the pre-interview. And also uh, how Will Butler introduced me to Chris Vandeford, a healthcare and dental broker in the healthcare M&A space. And then he referred me to Todd Russell, dentist, private equity, dental acquisition entrepreneur slash dentist. Will, where are we starting? Yeah, great question. I don't know. I think we should, first of all, I'm glad I could be here. Like I was, like what we were talking before, the second I saw that you were going to do a podcast and how focused it was, I was like, this is going to be a good podcast. And it has been. So I'm just glad to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Why don't I kick it over to you for your story on uh, resume not being on file. If you're a staff physical therapist, clinic director, manager, if you're a new grad physical therapist, I think owners would also get a kick out of this. But it was kind of like you got into a practice and a job and an opportunity via like, you know, back channels or backdoor as opposed to the normal process. How did that happen? And I really, it all comes back to like relationships and, and a little bit of networking and I just want to preface by saying the whole networking thing, it's Will does this in a humanistic, genuine way of like connecting people. And then when I think about those connections, then I just naturally, I remember like, oh, I, I met this person via Will Butler. I met this other person via Will Butler. And it, so it just makes me go back and check in with Will or share, you know, send folks his way, hopefully, and things like that. So anyway, the story of resume on file or not, how can others learn from this and, and maybe go into the story? Yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. I've gotten personal feedback from friends that I need to do a better job of accepting compliments and allow people to say positive things about me. So I appreciate that. I'm going to make sure I'll send a note to my therapist. She'll appreciate that. <laughs> but I think I've always valued connection, human connection as far back as I can remember. And I remember from even in like maybe junior high, as early as junior high, plus or minus somewhere in schooling, someone saying, Will, your brown nosing is not going to get you anywhere. And I think maybe I took that almost as a challenge, you know, the Michael Jordan meme. And I took that personally. And what I've realized is that's played out through pretty much anything and everything that I've done is having a connection. Fast forward to physical therapy. And there are a lot of things that I'm a little bit aloof to not with any intentionality. It's just my wiring. And so here we are approaching graduation. And all my classmates are talking about having their first jobs and we hadn't graduated yet. And they're like, oh, I interviewed, I accepted this. And I was like looking around and not saying anything because I had no clue 
I was like, I didn't know I'm supposed to. What the hell? This is going to be problematic. Well, enters one Jerry Durham who'd been brought into, I think, our ortho class because we had had a business admin where a local owner came in and gave some very just direct like, hey, owning a business isn't all sunshine and rainbows. You got to step through a lot of mud. And he shared that. And I just remember like so many of my classmates just walked out with kind of sad faces and, oh, everything's not great. And, you know, me and some of my other cynical classmates were like, yeah, what did you think this was going to be? Well, they went and complained to this professor. He had met Jerry at either CSM or PPS or something, uh, or maybe even the state, whatever. Doesn't matter. Meets Jerry, tells us, hey, I'm bringing in this guy. He's a practice owner in the Bay Area. He can give you guys some perspective of a different take of blah, 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 blah. Well, Jerry shows up and he talked to me like a child. I don't think of any fault of his own. And that kind of miffed me a little bit on Twitter. He could probably find this. And um, he said, hey, kids in St. Augustine, are you ready for me to talk? Whatever it was. And I asked him if he was going to bring us a Red Rider BB gun with a compass in the stock. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who is this dude? Or, or I said, Red Rider BB gun. And I think he replied with a compass in the stock. And I was like, all right, he can't be too bad. So right, then right. we showed up and Jerry just goes through and just shares high level and talks about things. And first question he says is, who's had a job in sales? And like, I raised my hand. Nobody else said anything. It was, what'd you sell? And I'd say, I'd sell anything. I'd sell my brother's clothes if I knew I could replace him and make a profit. You know, just, I was that guy in class, a little cringe. But he says, and you know what? I bet he's not the smartest person out of your cohort. And everybody started laughing, which is fair play. He's just, <laughs> every time I'm trying to get him, he slaps me back. And so we go through this and lo and behold, he says some things that resonate. I take a moment to connect with him outside of class, run some thoughts, ideas, and questions. And we just stayed in contact. No expectation from one or the other. He never said, hey, when you graduate, come look at my clinics. Nothing of the sort. Well, fast forward to that moment I was telling you about in our program, when everybody's getting jobs, I messaged Jerry and say, hey, Jerry, you know people a little bit of everywhere. I'm a little panicky. What the hell do I do? His first question was, because I talked to him and I'd known him for a while, he says, well, Will, what are you actually looking for? And then I said, I want some exposure to running a practice. I want to grow, but I also want to, some experience. He goes, I think I got somebody. He went and talked to the owner. The owner messaged me. We get on a phone call. He says, yeah, man, why don't you fly on out here? And in hindsight, I think I should have made him pay for it because I was a student. I think, I don't know where I fall at. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, well, either I, way. I can see either way, either way. Either way. It doesn't matter. I end up out in the Seattle, Washington area. I meet, I go through, I talk to the director and owner of the clinic where I would be working. And then I meet kind of the CEO of kind of the bundle of clinics that were present. And they asked me some questions. I remember one of them says, what if in the first year we put you into a position where you needed to open a clinic because we are kind of in expansion mode? How would you handle that? And I said, well, probably bumps and bruises. But as long as I know there's somebody here around that I can talk to, I'm sure I can figure it out. Great answer, by the way. I appreciate that. I was just like, well, could I? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, why not? As long as I'm here. And so next thing you know, I get an offer. Hey, you want to come out here? Fast forward, I relocate from basically Ohio, Midwest, after graduating school in Florida. And I move out to Washington and I start practicing. Well, I think it was about three months into clinical practice. I get a message from HR that says, hey, we don't have a resume on file for you. And I go, huh, I guess not. 
So I was able to get my first position by meeting Jerry, talking to Jerry outside of that, establishing a relationship. When I needed help, I had a relationship equity where I could make the ask without bankrupting the relationship or making that weird, uncomfortable, I can never return. And he said, let me check. Introduces me. Now I have my first job in physical therapy and I'm there and I'm practicing. And that just like blew my mind because they hadn't even dawned on me. I didn't give them a resume. Isn't that wild? My first professional job, brown nosing will get you nowhere, Will. It literally got me my first professional job without a resume. Love it. I want to go real quick into the always be connecting because I know that's that's what caught my attention or reminded me about, I think, your value in the physical therapy world. I want to come back to the cold message that I sent to Ed Mirsch, who recently in the past like year or two built up Motion PT Group to like 59 locations. They sold to Confluent, which is Larry Benz's company. Yeah. So that was my that was my boss. And I want to I want to share, I want to verbally share the cold LinkedIn message that I sent to him back in 2012. I'll read it verbatim. But first I want to go into how owners can build their practice via what you do, which is connecting. So it's like you kind of have to have, I don't know, you tell me, like you kind of have to have your tentacles out and knowing like who specializes in what in your community, how this, like just by connecting people, it results in return business to you. It There's no predictable way, to, I don't think, to measure it. It's just planting seeds and it's the long-term thing. But I, I have another colleague, another buddy that I grew up with in South Jersey named Devin Denofa. And he does similar thing that you do, which is connecting people, always be connecting. So how can practice owners, how can they think of this and simply, it's just connecting. It's like you hear of some someone's challenge or issue, they have a problem or whatever. And you're like, oh, I know someone else nearby in Ohio or wherever that solves that problem. Or that would be a person to add to your network because of this challenge or whatever it might be. So maybe what are some instances that you could think of that you've done or you've gone through or that would maybe help practice owners with just being a little bit of a connector? You don't have to like make it your full-time job, but like, how do you think of that in terms of yeah. connecting? Oh, there are a couple of things. One, I just, I value, I think there are a few things that influenced me. One, in, in kind of a previous, more spiritual self of sorts, I was a practicing Mormon and I went and did the old two-year mission, old shirt and tie, all of those types of things. And I remember going on, I was like, I don't know exactly if this is the right or best fit for him. I don't know. There's a lot going on, but I don't want to disappoint my mom. You know, she's a widow. I mean, in all her and my dad wanted me to do is be this, you know, grow up and be this good boy. One of the things that was really important to him is that I do this Mormon mission thing. And I was like, all right, at the very least, my mom's doing I never, all this. I never knew, never knew this. Go ahead. Keep hey, we're all about reveals. And so <laughs> we're sitting here, we're talking, and I'm like, all right, well, I have some conviction around some of this. I mean, I'm not going to like pose that I didn't hear, I'm not going to be an apologist for my past self, but I was in a position where some of it was like, okay. But then I still am not a huge fan of trying to change somebody's beliefs. Never really have been, even though I'm a fan of per- persuasive communication. But I was like, all right, at the very least, I can make through this. And I remember, I remember being like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tough this out. I remember like prayers containing the phrase of help me be able to put myself in the shoes of the people who I'm trying to relate to so that I can know how I can help them best. And I think some of it is just the mindset of, looking and putting your self-interest aside, which is hard. Just we're humans, we're animals, we're trying to survive, we're trying to make it. So it's very easy. We always will float to the top. 
but I do try to figure out how can we do this and be in this together. And that's carried forward all the way through. And so I think like on the owner's side, one of the problems is, is it's one of the reasons why programs like Alex Engar and Will Boyd, CEO of Finance Academy is so massive because it helps, it helps an owner order their house. And an ordered business owner is a business owner who has bandwidth to more better be able to socially connect. If your life is on fire, it's going to be really hard to look outside of that and do that. So I think that's one thing owners could do that indirectly can help them be a better connector is have a better understanding of where they stand and then what they need. So then they can, in conversation, pick up on context clues of, well, maybe this person knows someone, maybe that person knows someone, but then also figure out what strengths do they have and figuring out and just being able to make those puzzle connections, I think is one way that owners could do that. I think the other thing is just getting outside of your typical schedule. Okay, I wake up at this time, I drink this drink, I go to the clinic, I log in, I do this report, I do like, it's great. Habit is great because of like mental bandwidth, but at the same time, it can wall you off from opportunity. So getting into the community, joining some sort of a league, a cards league, a sports league, some group, I think like not necessarily BNI. I think that's, for my opinion is BNI is a waste of time for most people there because yeah, if you're I, really doing I, I, that well. I've been invited a couple of times in person to back in Jersey and then also digitally since COVID, like here in the New York City area. It's interesting. It's weak. I think sometimes if you have all the right people there, but those people would have met and been awesome anyway on their own. I think if you're really doing well in BNI, you send somebody to represent you on your behalf. You're not the person actually there. That's kind of my two cents on it. But I love that idea for practice owners because practice owners are already busy. So maybe they have their clinic director or you know manager or front desk person. Or, or send a manager. staff PT. Hey, get out of the clinic. Quit treating for a little bit. Go interact with people outside of here. It teaches them to communicate. And I think for those... I was gifted or given or my construct is inherently social. So things that just naturally come to me might not be that way for others. But a lot of things like muscle, you exercise it and it changes. And so I think if you're worried about screwing up connections or saying the wrong thing, go to things like BNI, go to things where Toastmasters, where you're put in a situation to force and work on that muscle in a controlled area so that when you show up to the primed opportunity you don't fumble the bag. And so like, those are the types of things where, and then I also think just little contact points, not everything has to be so overwhelming and meaningful that it does that. But I definitely also try to make a conscious decision to add more to a relationship than I withdraw, especially early on, because the last thing you want is to see your name show up on a caller ID. And, and I bet even still, there's sometimes where my name shows up in a text message or some sort of an alert and someone goes, well, shit, what's Will going to ask for like I get it, but like that's a mind's eye I think that a clinic owner can do and have, especially in knowing your patients better, knowing who's walking through the door, knowing who they might be connected to, knowing those types of things. Why not? If they're walking through your door, why not see who else they know? Because you literally have no clue who it turned into or what so it I, I like that point there because if if you know your patients, that means you're asking questions, there's dialogue. And it's simply, it could be simply connecting. So your patient, you're asking them questions. You're talking about their life. They're saying things like, oh, we're going to add a deck or we have a leak in our roof or whatever. And then you connect them with the local roofer or the, you know, the, the construction or, you know, team or whatever that does decks or, you know, is building pools or fencing or HVAC or whatever. It's like, if you connect that local service provider to this patient or client of yours, 
assuming that it goes well and you know that they do great work or whatever, which they probably do. And then it, the patient or client gets the good solution of the new fence, the new pool, the new roof, whatever. Every time they think about or talk about the new roof or the new pool or the new fence or whatever, you get brought up in the top of their conscience, whether like consciously or subconsciously, you made that connection. And that's what I think about with you in regards to some of my podcast stuff with like Chris Vandeford, you introduced him to me. We talked, brought him on the show a couple of times. I always ask for referrals. I don't even remember if I asked you. I think you just proactively. Uh, <laughs> do you remember if I asked you for any? You probably you know? did, but I almost guarantee that I was already thinking. If you asked me before I said it, I know for a fact I was already considering introducing you to Chris because like, I knew what you're trying to do with the podcast, showing up to it. So I was like, I mean, what am I supposed to give? I guess a connection is probably the most valuable thing that I have to give Dave right now. So I just had somebody in my back pocket. Yeah. And then our conversation with Chris Vandeford went well, at least once or twice on the show. And then I forget, I don't even know if I had asked him for uh, any connections or whatever. So then he brings up Dr. Todd Russell, dentist, also in the Ohio area. So then I interview him once or twice. Then I have them come on digitally for a three-way conversation that went well. Then they were both going to be, or no, Chris was going to be coming into town because his son lives in New York City. And then Todd was like, I'll tag along. And we planned like a meetup in person. We're eating pizza. And I cannot help but remember that this whole thing started with Will Butler. So even though I, it's a natural, I mean, we're eating pizza. Then we went out that night. We went to dinner. Then we went to like a, a, a bar club. Like It's just great. Well, and the, and the thing that's really wild to me about how that stuff works is how the human psyche and just, I don't know much about memory from like a literal, I just don't. But I do know that humans oftentimes when recounting history where they don't know for certain, they make up their own, not necessarily purposefully. And so they fill in the gap. So I've talked to people who recount stories of me being somewhere. I'm like, I wasn't there. And they go, well, you were. And I go, no, I wasn't. And then when they sit back and they go, I guess you weren't, but I felt like you were always there. And why would somebody not in a society where you need a tribe or you need to feel safe and you need to be able to assimilate, why would you not want that to be your initial association of something like that? I think it's awesome. I, um, I just think like, and then Chris, for example, the reason I met Chris is one of my good friends who I'd known just growing up, but we had never interacted. He and I had some conversations and he would always talk about this mentor, this guy he looked up to and his name is Chris. And then I remember saying to him, I was like, when am I going to meet this Chris? Like you've talked about him your entire life about how he's so important and I've never met him. So like if this person's important and you're saying I'm important, why have these importance not overlapped? And then he goes, you know, I can't believe that. I thought you guys just knew it. I go, no. So he just bumped us into each other. We had a conversation. We had some overlapping areas like personally, but then also professionally. And then that just was there. And then he's such a positive person and very as similar of like connecting. That it was a very easy and natural introduction to you. And I think a few things when it comes to connecting and introducing, because we talked about linking patients for the owner, it's sometimes nerve wracking when you make a referral because you don't know how that interaction will go and you are no longer the captain of that ship. I think you can do it in a few ways. One, I love copywriting. I love marketing, consumer psychology. I like how pain and stress influence decision-making. I like all that stuff in and around there. 
One of the things that really annoys me is overselling to persuade because now you've set an expectation that you can't know will be delivered on. Even if everything you had that was great, that might not resonate with the same person the same way. But I knew, for example, someone like Chris, I knew there was enough value that even if I would have been like, Dave, let me cash in some chips for you to talk to this guy if you don't just want to meet him now. He's awesome. But if I wasn't that certain, it's really simple. Like, I know somebody who does this thing. I don't know them well enough to know where and how, but I know they're a little bit closer than where you are. I don't know. What does it hurt to meet them? You know, but you just hedge that and qualify. You know, don't sell somebody that you know. Oh, I know the best roofer. They're a patient here. Just helped them with their shoulder. They're the best. And you've never had work from them. They might be shit, but that right. doesn't mean you don't make the connection. You know, yeah, you could just be honest. You could just say, like, you know, they have a good reputation. They they did not do my roof, but I heard that they've done good work from other patients saying that this roofer does, you know, solid work or whatever. So and if they become a pain in your and if they become a pain in your neck, show up for five or six sessions. We'll get it all cleared up. It's no problem. (laughs) You know, like so I think little little hedges like that I think are really helpful in creating the networking. And I think too many people are turned off by bad networking attempts on them, multi-level marketing, for example. Right, right. Um, scarcity. Hey, there's two spots left, three spots left. If there are literally three spots left, totally fine. But there are too many times in that exact same page, landing page, six months later, still says three seats left. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like, if, if you want to be treated more human, be more human, because that's what you'll attract and that's what you'll do. And have things that you're interested in, in outside of what you do absolutely professionally, you know? What are your thoughts? I think Tony Maritato said this before, which is like if you if a practice, a brick and mortar physical therapy practice does like a not like a health fair, but like a a local business, a little mix and mingle. Yeah, mix and mingle. And whether it's like you're just standing there and you have wine and drinks and cheese and food or snacks or whatever, or that would be a little more informal or like where a little more formal, I guess, would be like you have like little tables or booths set up like on a weekend or something inside your clinic and you have the local service providers set up little tables or whatever about what they do because then they're going to promote it to their friends and family, their network online. And then you might have some foot traffic from their communities come into your practice and they're like, oh, wow, this physical therapy office is nice where the front desk person greeted me well, whatever. Oh, I just met the physical therapist or the physical therapist, the team or the owner or whatever. And like, boom, now you have more foot traffic into your practice. And then some of those folks will remember you the way that I've remembered Will Butler. And they will think of you, your practice, if they have some orthopedic or whatever type of issue pop up, or if their friends or colleagues have an issue. Yeah, I think become the Rolodex, right? That's what they used to have back when things were more analog. And you can do it like, you don't have to be the exact thing. But what did the thing do that you enjoyed? Oh, I always had a name for whatever. Like in that mix and mingle within your clinic walls. I mean, how the hell do you not know what these people do anyway, if you're treating them as a patient, like you already are basically creating a clinic, a localized LinkedIn. And that's even part of it. Hey, you're going to be going through care. We're going to do our best to like deliver on what you're talking about. We like to think of this as a community as anything else. That being said, without violating any HIPAA, because we don't want to do that. Right. You know, and make that joke say, is it, if I hear somebody who might need a solution that you provide, like, would you want that introduction? If you do, how would you like, I mean, that takes, I use way too many words because this was real time me just thinking about this, but it's really that simple. 
Hey, what do you do? Awesome. Hope you, I believe you're going to have a really good time here. Like, and you're going to, you'll come back in the future. At least that's our hope. If not, let us know how we'll improve. But that being said, within this community, if somebody needs a solution that you provide, do you want, are you okay if we facilitate that? Okay. And how, like that feels so natural and such an easy additional question. And then that also expands your network. So then selfishly, if you're an owner and you get a call, you know, from a wife, a partner, spouse, mom, dad, someone, and they say, oh man, do you know anybody? My pipe just burst. Okay, cool. You immediately at least have somebody. And what I've found is if you can directly connect to that professional, you're going to get less marketing in their messaging, which I have nothing wrong with marketing, but they could tell you, yeah, you could probably fix this yourself in like 15 minutes. Just turn the water off at this position. And then I can come over and take a look at it if you want, or, you know, you can go ahead and do it. It's not that big, much more like there's just so many ways to do that. If you're just talking to people and figuring out not just what they do, but like who they are as people, which ABC always be connected. Right. All right. Let me switch gears. I'm going to go back to the Edmure cold message that I sent to him that got me a yeah, $90,000 salary. Do you recall Pat Croce? Does, do you know Pat Croce or have you ever heard? Yes. What do you know about him? Not enough to give you anything. Uh, <laughs> okay. You said, are you familiar with? I was like, Pat Croce? Definitely know those names. Okay. So Pat Croce was one of the first physical therapists to be working with pro athletes. He was in the Philly area. He was working with Mike Schmidt, Dr. J, those guys back in whatever, like the you know 80s or whatever. So he opened and grew 40 physical therapy locations. It was called Sports Physical Therapist. He sold the Jeez. 40 locations. He sold those locations to NovaCare. Then Pat Croce became the president of the Philadelphia 76ers. He was the guy on TV going crazy when the Sixers got the first draft pick, which they then used to draft Allen Iverson. The reason why I'm mentioning Pat Croce is because his right-hand man, his right-hand person in growing those clinics was this guy, Ed Mirsch. I knew about this because I read Pat Croce's book because he's a physical therapist and an entrepreneur. I read his book, which was, uh, he has a couple books, but the first one was I feel great and you will too. So this was back in my, you know, personal development days when I was reading, you know, more of these like, uh, uh, you know, self-help books or whatever. Yeah. So, so in the book, Pat Croce is talking about this guy, Fast Eddie, or this guy, Ed Mirsch. Long story short, on LinkedIn, September 19th, 2012, I cold messaged this guy, Ed Mirsch. At the time, he had owned a couple of different physical therapy practices he'd bought and sold or whatever practices. I knew this. I looked at his LinkedIn profile. Cold message, September 19th, 2012. Hello, Mr. Mirsch. Thank you for accepting the connection. I am a physical therapist beginning a small venture with large entrepreneurial aspirations. I'm sure you are very busy. However, if you have some time, I would appreciate an opportunity to talk to you about entrepreneurship, business development, and success versus failure. Thank you for your time, Dave. No answer. (laughs) I get it. I wouldn't have answered that. Right. Of course. I'm a newbie. I'm like a year out of school, right? Whatever. A year and a half later, I sent him another message. Hello, Mr. Mears. We've never met. I believe I sent you a message here before, and I'd like to follow up. You are having an impressive career, including the position of president of sports physical therapist. From the operating levels of a business, what are your top three pieces of advice on both managing people and an organization? Onwards, Dave. Oh, he for repl- sure replying to that. He replies five days later, send me an email to this email address. Let's see if we can set up a time to meet or t- a time to speak. 
where are you located? Which state? And then I replied, I'm in New Jersey. And then I, I'll send you a message, an email from this email address, whatever. Long story short, he was in the Philly area through this whole time. We get on a phone call. I say at the time, I'm in New Jersey. I'm dating a woman in Brooklyn, New York. And I, I don't know, at the time of like engagement or plans to move up to Brooklyn, whatever. At that same time, dude, this is, this is luck. At the same time, he was joining a practice with seven locations that was already in existence for, I don't know, like a decade or two. He raises private equity money and he starts buying up clinics in the New York area. And he said, originally, he goes, there's seven locations that I joined. It was called Metro Sports Med. It's now Motion PT. He goes, there's seven locations. We met in person in New York City for breakfast, which I paid for. That's another story. Like I, I handed it, I gave the waiter my credit card before he even arrived. I showed up early. These little ninja moves, dude, you do the same thing, Will. Yeah. That impressed him as well because when the check came, she handed me the check and he's in a full suit. And he's I, like, what is this guy? This he, guy cares. He also said, no one's ever done that ever in his life. Handed the credit card when you, you know, like you give the, you look at the, the menu, whatever. Anyway, he tells people that story all the time. He wanted me to be a clinic director of one of the seven locations. That's what I eventually did. So I was treating plus doing in clinic. They asked me what type of salary I wanted. I said, $112,000. They said, well, we could do 90K and then 12K in, you know, performance bonus, whatever. So they basically got me there, dude. It was awesome. Great. And I don't even, I don't think how, we hit the, the performance. How many, year, like, how, many, how many years in practice were you at that time? Like only three. I mean, that's a massive, that's a massive scaling jump from entry level PT responsibility and salary to then this position. And like, I think he, a lot of it came down to, he saw the original one was probably like, he, he felt your enthusiasm, but he's also <laughs> yeah. like, dude, I am wait, so wait, damn busy. And you want, you want me to teach you about life? That's what you were right, asking. Right, so right, the next right. time you said, Hey, listen, I know it felt like a flyby. Here's how I'm different. I've looked into you. I know what you're doing. Right. right. This is what you're doing. That specifically impresses me. How would you handle when I think of put myself in your shoes? This is the area of knowledge that I think you probably have that I have no clue. Can I get an answer on that? Which anything I've read technically about networking, one of the things that they say is, obviously the person you're messaging is busy. You don't necessarily need to tell them that, you know. Right, right. I agree. Kind of gratitude. Leave, yeah. leave, that, leave that out. Leave that out. <laughs> and then pick one question. What do you have to know? Because then or, that or gives that person low barrier. Yeah, no, a, a low barrier question where like, if I was going to send a cold message to you or if someone was going to send a cold message to me, it's like, what's the easiest low barrier question that you could ask to just get a response? If you can just get a response, then you kind of start the momentum and, and get the ball rolling. Um, as opposed to, can I pick your brain? Do you have 30 to I have an example. Or... I actually have a great example. One, when I picked up my phone, because I know this is on video, I was writing down the title of the book so I can read that one, that Pat Croce's book for the people who see it. But number two, like what you're talking about, being authentic, I had somebody reach out to me who did not succeed within our network, like with, within what I do, which is fine. Not everybody, I've tried very, very hard to suspend belief of what I see happen to people. And I'd rather talk to them. And, and I want to know somebody well enough to understand maybe the other side, because I know there's two sides to every story. But I get this message from somebody who I was loosely acquainted with, but who'd never taken time to get to know me. And I, they had no reason to get to know them. I didn't know what they had of value. Messages me on LinkedIn says, Hey, well, been too long. We should catch up! Exclamation point. 
So my response is that, hey, Kevin, got your invite to connect. I feel I know why it's been too long. I'm going to take a stab at it. Mind you, it wasn't related to anything offensible. We were never friends and at best loosely acquainted. Most who know me, most who know me are well aware that I damn near loathe or cringe. I loathe cringe email and sales openers. So outside of your connection request text, lending support to you not knowing me, why the exclamation point of excitement to why you want to catch up with a stranger? Like, what's your pitch? But that's what I ended on. What's your pitch? No, there's always, there's going to be His reply, pitch, right? I appreciate the call out. I left Night. here. Okay. I just appreciated like what your energy was like and who you were. If you were open to it, I just want to tell you what I'm doing about now. And if it interests you, I'll give you more information. Lead with that shit. Don't, yeah, don't I, I like, like that. That's a good, that's a good response. Even though they just got like basically, you know, burned on. You got to teach people sometimes. Sometimes you got to teach them. There's a really good thing. It's worth a read. It's by Henry Rollins. The Iron Never Lies is what it's called. And he basically says how lifting weights taught him some of life's biggest lessons. He said like one of the most kind things that the weight can do is not leave the ground because it's its way, a gentle way of reminding you that you're not ready yet or capable enough and mm. to keep trying. And like, that's kind of how I felt in that instance is I needed to be this guy's 200 pounds and let him know like, Hey man, you're trying and doing something new. You got to do better than this. Like you can't use the same old tactics and expect a different result. But anyway, it just goes back to like, what we're talking about is like, show some authenticity in the process. If you want a good outcome, you have to be real when you show up. Yeah. We're already over time real quick. Do you want to review Ben Franklin's approach to networking and we'll wrap up? Totally. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add to your, to your LinkedIn email that got you that position? I just think that was a great illustration of the point of like, you weren't afraid of reapproach because you identified that this person was somebody who could help you get to the next level. You just had to reapproach. So I got, the only thing I could say is I just got lucky that I had messaged him who arguably would be a mover and a shaker in the physical therapy world. He had bought and sold practices before. Also, like, listen, you have to be resilient and persistent. I then, once I joined the practice, then I heard he was raising this, and this is all public information, but raising, you know, $50 million to go buy other practices. And from my work email, I had messaged, I had emailed him, hey, I think I could be an asset to going out in the field and talking to practice owners. This was like 10 years ago or, you know, eight or whatever, before I started buying, trying to buy and sell practices. And I said, I would love to go out in the field with you, blah, blah, blah. And even that got no response over email. And I was already working for his practice, but you can't take it personal. Like that means in his eyes, I wasn't going to be valuable. I would just get in the way or whatever. Like, and I get it. And guess what? At the time I probably would have. And it's totally possible that he was just busy and didn't see it. It like, I try to accept all the possibilities. I accept that I'm going to feel a certain way when I get a degree of rejection. It reminds me that I'm human. And so that's okay. And you're allowed to feel negative and it still not be a bad outcome because it could be very possible that somebody overlooked it and they're busy. Now, if it's third or fourth time rejected, it's like, hey, and I would argue that you didn't get lucky. You got smart. You recognized whether directly or like subconsciously that was not the best way to approach. Let's try a better approach. And like, I really think like you should fail early, fail often and try to fail forward because that means you're really kind of pushing boundary. And I think that includes with the networking. And if you did something stupid, you can even show up like you said, Hey, I talked with you before, you know, da, 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 da. Or maybe you even turn that into a joke. Hey, do you remember when I sounded like a multi-level marketer when I approached you the other day? I don't know what I was going through. 
I think probably I just wanted to meet you in some capacity and I couldn't think of better words. I got better words if you're open to them. You know, like I think it's really important. And I think a lot of what's being illustrated or kind of floating around is a little bit of what Ben Franklin was attempting in like what they call the Benjamin Franklin effect, which is to basically find favor by solving a problem together with a person so that when somebody thinks back on you, because originally he would do it, if I remember right, which I'm fine being wrong on this because I'm no historian, but he had, you know, he was a mover and shaker in all kinds of spaces. And one of his opponents in something he needed to be elected for was going to be mudslinging, was running against him. And this guy, I guess, was uh, liked books. And it was a big deal to have books back then. You know, they couldn't just go down to Barnes and Noble and pick one up, you know, or download, to your ki- download one to your Kindle. So Ben Franklin knew that, went over to him, asked for a particular book that he would have had. The guy lends him the book. And then Ben reads it. Maybe he reads it. Maybe he doesn't. I don't remember that. But either way, returns it to him. The reason that he did that is in his mind, when somebody, when he's not present, when Ben wasn't present, someone was going to ask this guy his opinion of Ben. And what Ben wanted was a positive association. And the effect here is, why would that guy have lent a book to somebody he didn't like? So whether or not he could even remember how he truly felt about Ben, he would, would work from a position of, why would I help somebody that I don't have positive favor for? You know, and so I think that's a lot of what we're seeing in here and in these different areas. And like an example of that, how I tie that back into me getting a job with no resume. When I stepped out of clinical practice, which that's a different conversation for a different day. But when I stepped out, that owner or my boss at the time ran into Jerry at another event and said, dude, what's going on with your boy? And he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, he's leaving. He goes, he is? And he goes, yeah, he's going to do whatever. I don't even know what he actually said. And Jerry just looked at him and he just goes, huh, well, he must be up to something. Sure, he's thought about it. But Jerry took my side at a time where he had more professionally in common with this owner than he had with me. But he had talked to me and had made a positive enough connection with me that even when something was brought up that was a little bit like, who's this asshole who I gave an opportunity to, who I've led and open all this up, who just turns his nose up and leave, which is what I imagine was alluded to. Because right, I would be right. frustrated because they're trying to groom me to open a practice in the middle of BFE. And so Jerry showed up. And when he when I found that out, I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. And so, again, always be connecting. And it doesn't always have to be some grand, massive overture. It's one of the things I like about social media. I don't do much on LinkedIn. I could get a lot better at that. But it's just following people I like in a case. At the very least, react, share a comment, let somebody know that that what they're putting out is being seen and that there's a degree of interest. We didn't even get to barriers. How do we set boundaries? Because the problem is, is when you start showing signs of success, people always want to pick your brain. Yeah. So that was one thing I mentioned to you in the pre-interview, which is on searchfunder.com. It's some website for, you know, acquisition entrepreneurs, people that want to go leave their, you know, W2 job and they want to go buy a business and and raise money or or take out some, you know, SBA loan or or commercial debt to go buy a business. And I posted something that went like on it's like a directory website. And I posted something last year about my whole process step by step of how we send out one page letters to practice owners. And I use a mail shop. I literally set everything like here's exactly the cost of like envelopes and this mail shop per printed out letter, the copywriting about the letter. I mean, I went into so much detail and on this website, searchfunder.com, it became like in 2022, it was like the 
fourth or fifth most like popular yeah. post or whatever. Right. So I got, I got like kind of flooded with people asking me like, Oh, what are your, what do your letters say? Like, can I, can you send me copies of your letter? Then I had to go and make, uh, on gumroad.com. I posted six of my letter templates that I send to practice owners for $197. Cause people would keep asking me about these templates and I'm going to just send these templates for free. And then you can then message maybe the same physical therapy practice owners, my letters also, which would not be good for me. So I had to put it behind a paywall. And then also people I got flooded with, can I pick your brain about physical therapy? Can I pick your brain about healthcare deals? Can I pick your brain about whatever? And yeah, I had to put up barriers. Like I charge $300 a call. So here's how you can schedule and I'll send you a payment link. And yeah, we can talk for 15 or 30 minutes or an hour and 300 bucks. And some people take me up on it, but it's like, you know, it's like 20% of people, which I would argue with those barriers, it filters out who's not serious versus who is serious. And listen, if you get on a call with me about M&A stuff for 300 bucks, I'm going to deliver you, I don't know, thousands of dollars of value. Yeah, if they take action on it. And I think those kind of barriers are important for that type of a service. And depending on where and how your time constraints work, I have a pretty open right. and fluid schedule to my betterment, to my detriment, to my mint, whatever. doesn't matter to me for <laughs> this. But for like what you're talking about with such specialized knowledge in that field in that way, I think those barriers are important because it's one thing. I know that if I messaged you and said, Dave, I want to pick your brain on these couple of topics, there would be a reflex. There'd be two reflexes. Well, let's set a... Can we, should we record this, right? It's something both of us would want to know. And then number two, it's like, all right, well, what? But I also know that we have enough equity that you know that if I'm saying that, I'm not, I've probably thought about it critically in some capacity. It's not just me seeing a headline being like, well, Dave probably knows more about this, but there's that. And we have time and we have some equity within that. But these strangers coming out of left field who are doing that, I think a paywall is more than appropriate because it commands your time. And like you said, you also don't necessarily know, and what are they showing up and bringing? And what have they given you other than an annoyance? So I think those kinds of boundaries for that type of stuff, especially when you're stepping up to the plate and hitting homers, I think it's important to create some of those barriers. Yeah. I appreciate your time. This is awesome, Will. Hopefully it's uh, concise and efficient enough. I think it is. Um, I just liked it. That's great. Final, final, final thoughts, recap. Yeah. On, on my side, I think take more time to get to know the human in front of you. Spend some time reflecting to figure out what you're actually looking for answers for and who are the types of people who might be able to solve those. I think form some strong opinions, but hold those opinions loosely. Be open to to change in being coachable because I think that makes you more receptive when you encounter people and to be able to ask better questions. Like, I don't know. It, I really... I always joke with ABC. I know it's always be closing, but I believe it's always be closing, always be connecting, always be trying. It's the always bees in those directions because, okay, cool. You can't close business on it in a week, but what does that turn into in a year, 10 years and more? And now look at those connections that before you're just like, Ooh, I want these people in my circle. Now them being in your circle holds a lot more value for what it is you do now. But had you not just tried initially, they never even would have been on the radar. Yeah. Perfect way to close. And I think also shout out to Tony Maritata because he had you on a bunch of videos over the past, I don't know, a couple of years or so. And I, I bet, I don't even remember, but I bet that that lowered any barrier to you and I talking or 
you and I jumping on previous, you know, phone calls or zoom calls, like we've talked, you know, behind the scenes, not, not anything recorded. And then to get you on here to, you know, provide value to the audience. So shout out to Tony as well, which yeah, then provides know, right? opportunity for you and then provides opportunity for others. Awesome. No, it was great. Tony's awesome. Awesome. Subscribe to the Dave Kittle show. If you find this valuable, subscribe on YouTube. You can also check us out on iTunes or Spotify. We'll catch you next time here on the show. Will Butler, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.